Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, just dandy. How are you? Good. I'm kind of excited about today's topic. Oh, yeah? yeah. Tell me about your excitement. Well, it's I I feel passionate about it because it directly is something that I'm dealing with. And, and okay, I feel like we need to catch everybody up because we were talking offline as we normally do before we started this. <laughs> Always. Regarding unexpected setbacks in a cancer journey. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but like nobody prepared me for the fact that there might be setbacks. Oh, you know, I felt like the only doctor that I had that prepared me for setbacks was my plastic surgeon. And he was like, here's all the things that could go wrong. And I felt like I heard it a lot. But, you know, I think that you always get into that. Oh, everything is going to go fine. And I'm not going to be that setback person when they tell you, oh, there's like a 10% chance this will happen. The 10% chance that won't be you. But setbacks do happen. I think setbacks happen no matter if your medical plan goes off without a hitch, like you're still potentially going to have emotional, Mm -hmm. you know, issues to deal with. And even if your medical plan, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's always a little bit of a setback regardless of how well things look on on paper. Do you agree or disagree on that? I agree. And there's the unexpected. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. So today I am excited because I want to share my own setback so that it can not scare you, but prepare you. And also, hopefully, by learning from my experience, it can help prevent the same thing from happening to you. Right. So Beth is going to share her story today about what happened to her post-surgery in regards to lymphedema. This is kind of a big topic that we wanted to make sure that everybody knew about going into surgery because there are some things to just keep in mind to talk to your doctor about to make sure that you are as prepared as you can be. Yeah, I'm going to talk about my story, how I didn't understand the risk of lymphedema or what to do if it presented in the hopes that you guys can avoid the same situation. And Beth will share what she wants you to know as you go through your own journey. Right. But before we do that, let's hear from our first sponsor. For lymphedema, compression is the answer. Why choose Medical West Healthcare Center? They have been trusted and respected by physicians and customers since 1955. Medical West Healthcare Center was founded on the principles of providing excellent customer care. Their unique staff of professionals and experts also happen to be some of the most friendly and caring individuals you will ever talk to. Visit one of their three convenient locations in the St. Louis area or schedule an expert fitting. Not in the St. Louis area? Don't worry. They ship nationwide with all orders over $50 receiving free shipping. To schedule a fitting or find a location near you, call 314-725-725. One eight eight eight, and we are back. So let's talk about you like know, let's talk about why people should expect them because you and I both yeah. had setbacks, right? Like, yeah, but they were different. Like mine was a physical setback, whereas yours was more emotional in nature, right? Yeah, my setback didn't really happen. I sailed through. It was actually it's kind of ironic for this Thanksgiving. I had 
kind of was counting my blessings for the year. And one of them was I was thankful that I had got through all my surgery and treatment really without any big major physical setbacks. My setbacks were presented in the form of emotional setbacks. I had some depressive thoughts around a year out from my treatment. And, and were you prepared for that? that? Like, did you no, know? Did it, you ever see that coming? Had no, you ever dealt with that before? No. So I think that that is an incredibly important topic. And we are going to be doing a future episode about kind of emotional fallout after treatment mm-hmm. where you're going to share your story mm-hmm. so that other women understand that you don't have to have previous history with, you know, emotional struggles to have this happen. Yeah. And so we're going to get into your story in a future episode. But yeah, your your struggle was more emotional, whereas mine was more physical. So let me talk about what happened. I'm trying to kind of think about the easiest way to say this. So mm-hmm. when you go for your breast cancer surgery, there's two different ways that you can develop lymphedema. You can develop lymphedema from having lymph nodes removed, and you can develop it from having radiation. And if you have both, then you have an even more increased risk of developing lymphedema. Should we start off by talking about what lymphedema is? Probably would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you that don't know, because I didn't know, I did not know what lymphedema is. Did you Did you know what lymphedema was? No. Um, honestly, I woke up from my surgery, my first surgery, and my breast surgeon came in and he said, oh, I only had to take one, the sentinel lymph node. You have only a 1% chance of d- developing lymphedema. And I kind of looked at my husband and looked at him and was like, what is lymphedema? And when we were preparing for this episode, Eric had said that they had told me about it whenever we were preparing for surgery, but it must have just like went over. I didn't I didn't take it in. I didn't look into it at all, but I had no idea what it was. So did they did they tell you about lymphedema before your surgeries? Well, not with my surgery. No. No. I mean, that's a short answer. No, no, <laughs> no, I had no idea what lymphedema was until it occurred. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, I found out, you know, after I ignored it for two weeks. So mm-hmm. I think that a, a lot of patients feel this way. We deal with a lot of patients who after developing lymphedema, after active treatments over or even during, feel a little bit, they're upset and they're mm-hmm. confused and they didn't know that this was something that they needed to be worried about. And so when it happens, it really is quite the setback. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of how it was for me, too. I didn't I didn't know about lymphedema at all. So so, yeah, lymphedema is basically localized swelling that can occur in breast cancer patients in your arm, your torso or your chest. And it is a result of having lymph nodes removed or radiation So before I share my story with lymphedema and kind of uh, give you guys the scoop on how you can hopefully sidestep that issue and prevent it, let's do some boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Yay. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. This is, I think this is funny. So this is a, do you know what Craigslist is? Yes. I actually found a roommate on Craigslist once. Are you serious? She's one of my good friends now. I love her. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I would never advertise for a human being on Craigslist. <laughs> like, I think the most I ever did was like, get rid of my old... Well, when you put it that way... <laughs> advertise for a human being. <laughs> That's so you. I mean, I might get rid of some like old tennis rackets, but I am not going to be like, hey, will you come live in my house and murder me in my sleep? I think for both of us, it's a good joke now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, so not new to Craigslist. 
All right. So this is an actual Craigslist posting. This man lives in Manhattan and uh, he put up a post that said that his sister is having an outdoor wedding in Connecticut in May. And I want someone to be naked in the woods and to run through the wedding in order to ruin it. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) He finishes the ad with, I will protect you from my family. (laughs) Hilarious. What kind of family he has that they need protecting from? I want to know what the beef is. True. Hmm. I want to know what the... What what did the the sister do? Right? I mean, it's got to be pretty bad. And he doesn't say how much he's willing to pay either. Hmm. So I wonder if he had anybody actually like <laughs> respond and say, yes, yeah. sign me up. I wonder. That's huh. hilarious. Isn't that funny? What a boob. What a boob. <laughs> All right. That's our boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. And we are back. Uh, so now we're going to go into Beth's story. Beth, I want to hear all about what you went through. Like with how your lymphedema. Yeah. How did, tell us how it happened. It's so random, you guys. Okay. So <clears throat> I think I read once like the skin of your arm is like it only takes up like 7% of your body. So do the math on that. What is that? Like 93%, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of your body is off is fine. Because mm-hmm. they tell you like on your surgery side, don't do anything. You're not supposed to. Once you have lymph nodes removed, you're not supposed to have your blood pressure taken on that side. You're not supposed to have needle pricks or right. shots on that side. They're very clear about that. Like after you get through breast cancer treatment. So essentially your surgery side arm is off limits. It is a huge irony then that I got a spider bite Mm. on the, what, 93% or the 7% (laughs) of my body that was off limits. Out of my entire body, a spider bit me on my forearm. Rude spider. Yeah, right. (laughs) And because I had no idea what lymphedema was or how much I was at risk for it, I ignored the bite. So my husband noticed it. We're very outdoorsy. I don't know how I got it, but... When I got it, it was a puncture wound. It had a very dramatic kind of purple-orange circle around it on my forearm. And my husband was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is that? And I was I was just like, well, oh, it's a bite. I don't know. You know, who knows? Mm. And I just didn't think anything of it. And so it wasn't until two weeks later that I was outside throwing a baseball with my son. And it was unseasonably warm. I think it was like March very warm outside. And I noticed that the top of my hand was slightly swollen. But I really didn't think anything of it because I thought, well, it's hot. I've got my hand in a glove from constriction. You know, anybody that's been out in the heat, you kind of swell anyway, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'd always gotten swollen in my pregnancies and things. And I just didn't think anything about it. It wasn't until two weeks later that my arm literally like blew up Mm -hmm. and got super swollen, very painful, very heavy. What did the spider bite look like? It was just like two puncture marks and like this. No, no, two weeks later. Oh, it was gone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it was gone. That's an interesting tidbit. But okay. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't react right away to it. You uh, know, like yeah. knowing what I know now, yeah. what I should have done immediately upon seeing it was call my doctor and say, I need to get a script for a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. And had I gotten massage, manual lymph massage right mm-hmm. away, could I have avoided developing lymphedema? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that would have been the right thing to do. Gotcha. And okay. I didn't know that because I hadn't been educated on it. Yeah. So I just let it go like I would have pre-cancer. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, then my arm just blew up and it was not, it was super uncomfortable. I felt nauseous. Mm-hmm. It was really bad. And I called my doctor's office and I was like, what is happening? Like, mm-hmm. what is this? And they were kind of casual about it. They're like, oh, that happens sometimes to breast cancer patients. It's lymphedema. Let your surgeon know. And then 
go see a physical therapist. So I did. And that kind of gave me my education regarding what lymphedema is. I went and saw the physical therapist and they told me that the condition is chronic, incurable, deforming, progressive. And they didn't talk to you about what you could have done differently? I mean, I found out after the fact, after I'd already mm. developed it because I hadn't been given education prior. Mm. And so that's one of the reasons I was excited to do this episode is that Ideally, if you're a patient, you know, who's been diagnosed with breast cancer, I know it's so overwhelming and it's Mm -hmm. so scary Mm -hmm. and you just can only handle so much bad news. Right. Right. But what I really want people to know, and we'll end on this as well, is that, you know, when you're having lymph nodes removed or you're going to have radiation, you really need to ask your breast surgeon, you know, what your risk is for developing this disease. And then there are things you can do to be proactive to try to prevent it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that was it. And once I went to physical therapy, I mean, they did some manual lymph massage on it, which made it feel better. But At that point, I mean, they were like, you need to wear a compression sleeve for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And there's really very limited things you can do. You can do this manual massage at home. There's something called like complete decongestive therapy where Mm -hmm. they literally bandage you from the tips of your fingers up to your armpit in like what looks like they're not. They're called short stretch bandages, but they look like ace bandages and Mm -hmm. cotton and padding. And they will literally wrap your arm from fingers to your armpit in this padding to reduce the swelling, which is temporary. It only Mm. works as long as you're bandaged. Mm. And that is the gold standard in treatment right now. Mm -hmm. So that that probably isn't very easy to make dinner in or drive a car. Oh, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's like you're the abominable snowman. I mean, you're wrapped up. (laughs) It's like, and and that's the gold standard is Mm -hmm. to like walk around with your arm bandaged like that for a month to get a reduction to where you can get fitted for a sleeve to Mm -hmm. hopefully contain Mm. that result is is the idea yeah and i will talk about this when we talk about emotional fallout i hadn't had an emotional fallout i think i felt like i went through treatment really well Mm -hmm. emotionally and and i had some physical setbacks here and there but Mm -hmm. i mean overall i felt like i kind of did a good job with it hearing that i had a chronic incurable disease after just going through breast cancer treatment that potentially could have been preventable Mm -hmm. was devastating yeah and that's when i had my emotional fallout and that happened two years after treatment was done Mm -hmm. so here i was living under this illusion that i had you know i was doing done you beat it you're on the other side yeah right and like anybody who has a setback or has a recurrence or anything you're just devastated Mm -hmm. when it drags you back in right i think we all kind of anybody who's a survivor you live in that constant state of a little bit of stress that at any moment something is going to happen because you're usually blindsided by a cancer diagnosis anyway. Hearing that, it's kind of like your worst nightmare coming true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I hesitated being on the other side in survivorship. You're always kind of dealing with, I don't want to scare patients, right? Because for some patients, this is never an issue, Mm -hmm. especially if you know the steps to take to minimize your risk. Right. But then, you know, so I don't like scaring people and saying, oh, doom and gloom. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like it just really reinforces for me that you have to be your own advocate Mm -hmm. and you can't assume that you're going to be told everything related to your diagnosis. And that that's very upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when we put our trust in 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 doctors to really be the one to educate us and, and you come out on the other side and you're. You ask yourself, oh, why had why haven't I heard about this? Like, how could I how could this have gone differently? And you and you kind of analyze and you analyze forever. This is the rest of your life that you kind of you will have to deal with 
the symptoms of this chronic disease. I want you to share with everybody what have you done since? Like what what are some of the things that you have had to go through? Um, oh, treatment wise? Yeah, treatment wise for your lymphedema. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's extensive and that's the other thing that people don't realize is that it is an ongoing continual process. I've done a lot of physical therapy where they do the manual lymph massage. I've done a lot of congestive, decongestive therapy where they bandage me up to try to reduce the size of my arm. As that fluid builds up in your arm, over time, it turns to fibrotic tissue, Mm -hmm. and then it cannot move Mm -hmm. and be expelled from the limb. And so then that presents its own problems. You become much more susceptible to infections, which can land you in the hospital, Yeah, I mean, it requires daily massage. It requires visits to a physical therapist. It requires uh, constant compression in Mm -hmm. in the form of garments. It's Mm -hmm. very labor intensive. And it's it's very surprising to me how limited we are in our research of the lymphatics and how limited we are in proactively educating patients about the risk when there is such a a risk. I mean, Mm -hmm. There are estimates and studies that, you know, say upwards of 50% of patients are going to experience lymphedema. And Mm -hmm. so I I do want to take a moment to kind of explain for patients who don't understand how it's caused. Is you think that's beneficial? Yeah, I think I think it would be really good for everybody to hear that. So when you go in for surgery, and obviously, I'm not a doctor, this is just my understanding. But when you go in for surgery, what they do is they will do a uh, lymph node biopsy of your sentinel nodes, which are the nodes that kind of are responsible for drainage. And sometimes are closer to the cancer, sometimes not. But they'll do a, a biopsy of those and see if there's any cancer in them. And then if there's not, then you may avoid having additional lymph nodes taken. But if there is cancer in them, and in my case, I had one lymph node that had a little bit of cancer in it, then they decide how many more they're going to take from underneath your armpit. And in my case, they took seven, mm-hmm. which immediately put me at a 25% risk of developing lymphedema. Additionally, I had something called lymphovascular invasion, which occurs with about 30% of patients. And that's when breast cancer cells break into the blood vessels or lymph channels. And really what that means is that it increases the risk of the cancer traveling outside the breast into other parts of the body and then coming back in the future. And Mm -hmm. essentially, it has a direct impact on your mortality rate, makes Mm -hmm. you much more high risk. And so for that reason... They they tend to take more lymph nodes and they may, like they did in my case, tell me they also now want me to have radiation. Mm-hmm. And when you have radiation on top of having lymph nodes removed, now you've just compounded your risk even more so. Mm-hmm. And you can be at that 50 percent risk of having lymphedema. Mm-hmm. So when you when you went in for your radiation treatment, was that something that they discussed with you? Like, here's a. We're recommending this as a life-saving measure for reducing your chances of recurrence in the future. But yes. here is what here's what the cost of you doing radiation is going to. They did not. I I do recall very because I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to have radiation. Mm-hmm. I was very adamant. Like I didn't want to have it. My family was in a tizzy about it. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Oh, it's so targeted, and it's only ten minutes a day." And you know, why wouldn't you do this? And mm-hmm. but I I really I, and I presented it to the to the nurse the radiation oncology nurse, I said, hey, why explain to me, why would I proactively radiate myself when a local recurrence in the chest is different than a distant recurrence in my body elsewhere? Like, Mm -hmm. why would I do this? And I really didn't want to have it done. And what she said to me was, because if your cancer comes back, it's going to be 
basically, you know, there's a good chance it's going to be incurable and Mm -hmm. it's going to come back super aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so we want to hit it with everything we can out of the gate Mm -hmm. to eliminate that possibility. And I think that's where these doctors' heads are, is Mm -hmm. that we know what happens if it comes back. Mm -hmm. We want to avoid that. And so we are going to be extra aggressive, especially when you're young, Mm -hmm. to try to give you the best chance for survival. So I understand it, but they also did not tell me Mm-hmm. That I had a you know fifty percent chance that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't. Think would it you w- have chosen? I- I'm curious now. Would you have chosen quality now that you are years out from dealing with this chronic um, disease? Do you think that you would have chosen? And I know in in the time we have talked about this before. In the in the moment, you prayed on radi- uh, radiation and decided to go for it because that's what you were being called to do. But now looking back, um, would you, knowing what you would have to go through, still have chosen radiation, knowing you'd have to go through? I would. You would. I would because I I've listed my reasons for every choice that I made, mm-hmm. um, and I did pray on it. And mm-hmm. for me, that felt like I got an answer that said you need to do this. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was really not very pleased. Mm-hmm. But that's how I felt. You know, I was hoping for a different answer. What I wish would have been different about the scenario was that I had been educated about the risk because mm-hmm. I do question if I had seen that bug bite or that spider bite I w- and I had been educated, I would have immediately gotten into a PT's mm-hmm. office. And we've talked to physical therapists who say if you catch it early enough, it can sometimes be reversible. Yeah. And so I do question if I had known and been educated about the risk and I had gotten in could I have avoided this whole thing? Yeah. Um, so that part does play. Do I regret getting radiation? No, because I know why my doctors did it. Mm-hmm. And I also know that I prayed on it and I got my answer. Gotcha. It's nuanced, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if I had been educated, it could have been a better outcome. And I could have avoided a lot of the pain and, and trauma that came from that. And you're, you, I think this this should be pointed out to our listeners, is that you you feel confident in your decision. There is a lot of people I know that I have just talked to who it could be easy in your situation to hold resentment, hold resentment for the education you didn't get, hold resentment for being recommended radiation when it could have meant you didn't have to deal with this for the rest of your life or mm-hmm. for as long as as long as you have to. So being confident in your decision and laying all your cards out on the table and knowing all the facts, I think from your doctor, from the research that you do, from the questions that you ask of your doctor is super important for people to just hear. It is. And and as somebody who majored in emotional avoidance, I know I know I know doctors deal with this quite a bit of trying to figure out how much can the patient handle, Mm -hmm. because when you're getting just bad news after bad news after bad news, which is what it feels like when you have cancer, Mm -hmm. it doesn't they never come to you with really great news. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to. Right. Poop candy for the rest of your life. Right. 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 (laughs) Yeah. They're never telling you anything good. It's like they're always weighing how much can this patient handle? How much Mm -hmm. should I lay on them? Because they're just emotionally fragile right now. And I can appreciate that as somebody who is an optimist and likes to focus only on the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I feel so strongly that women need to understand the risk and need to be equipped Mm -hmm. to deal with it. Thank you for sharing your story. I think lots of people are going to benefit from it. Before we kind of close out and and give our last recommendations for what we hope for you as you are going through this and, and talking to your surgeons, let's hear from our sponsor. For comprehensive women's health care, Barnes Jewish St. Peter's and Progress West Hospital are your best choice for doctors, new technologies, and personalized care. With a broad range of women's health services, including breast health, 
incontinence and pelvic pain therapy, OBGYN care, and a birthing center. By choosing a BJC healthcare facility, you become part of a network that provides the world's best medicine. Schedule an appointment today by calling 636-928-WELL. That's 636-928-9355. So Beth, if you had kind of one thing to summarize for everybody so that they can go out and do what's best for them, what what would you want them to know? Uh, First of all, if you're going to have surgery, talk to your breast surgeon immediately about the risk of lymphedema. Um, What is the surgical plan? How many lymph nodes? I mean, they can't know for certain until Mm -hmm. the sentinel node biopsy comes back, but ask them what they typically do in that scenario. And then ask them about what the risk of lymphedema is. I would be proactive enough to ask for a PT order so that you can either get a baseline measurement of your arm before surgery so that you can compare it to after to basically, you know, be aware of any changes in your arm so you can jump on that really Mm -hmm. early if there's a change. That would be a best practice. I would tell you that a lot of times the physical therapist will tell you that best practices are to get a custom compression garment fitted for your arm regardless of whether or not you have lymphedema and then to wear it when you do exercise or if you're on a plane. Mm -hmm. If you do things like garden or you are outdoorsy like my family is, if you garden, wear gardening gloves to prevent you from nicks and cuts that can result in infections or set off lymphedema where, you know, spray so that you don't get bug bites Mm -hmm. that could potentially trigger it. These are all things you can do proactively to Mm -hmm. avoid it. And if your breast surgeon, if you've already had surgery, it's not too late, especially if you're going to have radiation, bring it up to your radiation oncologist, Mm -hmm. make them paint you a picture of what your risk is for having lymphedema. And again, ask for those referrals. We have lots of organizations that are really good for lymphedema. One in particular that I want to talk about is the Ninjas Fighting Lymphedema Foundation. You can find them at winourfight.org. It was started by Amy Rivera, who has primary lymphedema, which is different. Breast cancer patients have secondary. It was caused by the treatment from breast cancer, but Amy was born with this uh, genetic Mm -hmm. predisposition to lymphedema, and she has spent her life advocating for patients, providing education to providers, and then just providing tools to patients on what they can do. So I would recommend that everybody check that out as well. But really... At the end of the day, and we talk about this every single (laughs) time, every time, guys, you got to be your own advocate and Mm -hmm. you got to you got to put yourself out there and ask the hard questions and really be proactive with putting those resources in place. And it's my hope that this has been helpful to you. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Until next time, we will be talking about surgery checklist. Yeah. Um, So have uh, have a great week. Bye, guys. 